Again, a warm welcome to each of you, a welcome to our online audience, and we're so glad you're here as we conclude this sermon grateful, sermon series, Grateful Hearts. And what does it mean to be grateful and have gratitude and to be thankful, especially in a culture that doesn't embrace gratitude easily? Amen? And so over these past weeks, uh, two weeks ago, we heard that wonderful story about the saints, and we gave thanks for those who in our lives have been an inspiration to us, and whether they're living or they've gone on before us, we gave thanks. And then last week, as I said, Pastor Clayton uh, shared about Hannah, that wonderful story of Hannah in the temple at Shiloh, and that Eli came alongside her, encouraged her, uh, and, and then in fact, her courage and her strength led her forward. Amen? And so those were great stories, but today we're going to just talk about how do we as followers of Jesus be thankful people all the time in all places. Now, several years ago, before the pandemic, we used to do things called dinner parties. Do you remember them? <laughs> right? We'd invite people over and we'd have a meal together. Sometimes we might have conversation. Uh, there might be good food. There might be wine. There might be all kinds of things that would would make those things uh, really wonderful. And they're beginning to come back, but they're a little different. Amen, right? Um, so I remember several years ago, a friend of mine uh, in the city hosted a dinner party, right? And he said, it's a wonderful dinner party. We're inviting all of our friends. Arrive at this time, and uh, no gifts, please. You know, so all right, great. And I was excited, a dinner party. And so, but you know, I always want to know what to wear at a dinner party, right? Because dinner party has all kinds of loaded expectation, right? And maybe you've been there. Like, really, how we dress is important, right? And so I just emailed my friend, Chris, and I said, Chris, I just want to make sure uh, um, it, how we need to dress for this, right? You know what I'm saying? And he said, well, it's the summer. It's kind of a casual dinner party. I'll let you decide. Now, in hindsight... I should have asked more questions, amen, right? Because I decided then that meant shorts and a shirt and, uh, and, and sandals. I thought that would be fine, right? So I arrive at the dinner party, I knock on the door, I walk in, and people are in business casual or even more intense coats and some people with ties. Now I'm telling you, that felt very awkward, right? Anybody been there? I, you know, so I almost turned around and left, but Chris said, oh, come on in, but you could just see it. You know how it goes. Oh, hi, then this is James, my friend, and I'm sure you wanted to add it, who doesn't know how to dress, amen, right? Sometimes clothing is important, amen? Like today, uh, you might wish you had brought a raincoat, all right, and maybe even a, something, a snow shovel. We don't know how it's going to turn out today. Uh, if you wear a uniform as a police officer or a firefighter, uh, that's important to identify you, Amen. If we see somebody at the hospital in scrubs, we kind of give them some authority, right? Right? Uh, if a nurse is in the right outfit, right? But if I were a doctor and came in in shorts and a tank top, you might not want treatment. Amen? Right? You know what I'm saying? How we are clothed is so important. When it's really freezing, sometimes I forget my coat. Sometimes I don't want to wear a coat. And then I regret it. Amen? So clothing has everything to do with what we're doing and who we are and what it's about. Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, leads off in today's passage about clothing. Not literal clothing, but he knows that clothing's important in Roman culture and especially in Colossae. And so he uses an image of how we're clothed to exemplify who we are as followers of Jesus. 
Now I want to say a word about the Colossians and the people of Colossae. So I'm sure you're all familiar with the book of Colossians, but if you're not, it's okay. The book of Colossians is located in the New Testament. It is a letter. Remember, we talk a lot about many of the books in the New Testament are letters. Historically attributed to Paul with Timothy assisting in the writing, sent to the people of Colossae. Now, I don't know if you know about Colossae, but it's a city probably that was about 30 or 40,000 at the time of the writing of this letter in 60 AD. Paul is probably writing this from prison, or it could be one of Paul's disciples after his death writing it in his name. But whatever the case, this letter is written to the city of Colossae. Colossae is an ancient city, or had been. It had been a, a very important trade center, especially around wool and clothing made from wool. So maybe that's why Paul uses this image of clothing. It had been a major crossroads in the what is current Turkey, but was in the, uh, in the uh, region of Phrygia in the Lyca Valley. It was not the capital. Laodicea was the capital. But Colossae was an important city, but it had begun to decline. And its trade routes had begun to be affected. And it had some economic challenges at the same time. Colossae was an interesting place. It had a number of temples from Greek uh, mythological worship, from Roman worship. There was a large Jewish population there that had been relocated there by the emperor. And so there were all kinds of different people there. Eventually, as the early church begins to develop, there's an interesting group of people that emerge. One is a group of philosophers and intelligent folks in the midst, and another group who kind of got into angel worship, and eventually there'll be an actual cult that worships the archangel Michael. All of that plays into today's letter, because you'll be noted as if you read the whole book of Colossians, which I'm sure you did this morning in preparation for worship, that indeed... The people of Colossians and the early church, probably a series of house churches, uh, maybe led by Philemon, Epaphras had, had founded this church, not Paul. It might have been these issues that were creating the division in the church. In fact, if you get home today, you might spend time in chapter 2 because you begin to see that there's a group of people who have come to believe that Christ is not enough in their religion and they need to focus on other things and other philosophies and so forth and in fact what they feel like they really need to do is have these extreme mystical experiences that makes them a little bit holier than others amen or or they begin to believe that the only way that they'll deeply relate to Jesus is if they deprive themselves with great extremes we call that asceticism and what happens is that they're they're not eating they're not drinking they're punishing themselves they're suffering on their own decision to somehow relate to Christ. You see these kind of difficult things that are happening, and they too believe that maybe they're a bit holier and a little bit more connected, and it creates an enormous amount of division in the Colossian church. In chapter 3, Paul begins by reminding the readers of this letter that Christ is the center of everything. So if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not the things that are on earth. For for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. And then he does an interesting thing here. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly. And then he goes on to list a number of kind of broken sins of 
impurity, uh, evil passion, evil desire, greed, idolatry, fornication. And he says, put those away. Those are not a part of our life. Put those off. In fact, the translation almost seems set it on its side. Put it away. Take off that clothing. And on account of that, also get rid of wrath, malice, anger, slander, abusive language. Put those aside. Take those off. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've stripped off, see that image? The old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with the new self which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of the creator. And he goes on. Paul immediately tells us that a wardrobe of malice, of deceit, of hurt, of anger, of abusive language, of demeaning others, that is not the clothing of Christ. Amen? In fact, he goes on in the reading you heard today. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves. So here's the clothing we wear. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Do you see how different that is from abusive language and malice and deceit and lying and greed and idolatry? In fact, what Paul says is the clothing of the Christian life is compassion and kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, as you must also forgive. And above all else, here... Clothe yourselves with love. Isn't that what Paul is always saying? That the ultimate binding cord to our life, the ultimate thing that holds us together, whether it's the overcoat that keeps us totally covered or the belt that keeps our pants up, whatever it may be, that is love. That is what centers us. And so whenever we're debating about how we will respond to others or how we will live in the world as followers of Jesus, love is the way. And then he goes on to say in verse 15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to in which indeed you are called in one body. And then he says this, and be thankful. If you read my article this week, a recent study by Harvard Medical says that people who are more thankful or filled with more gratitude have more peaceful lives. Do you believe that? Are you alive out there? <laughs> right? I mean, really, that when we really focus ourselves in a spirit of gratitude, there's a deeper sense of peace and wholeness because we begin to see how we've been blessed. Paul knew that in some way when he asks us to be thankful, to let Christ rule in our hearts. And then in verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another with wisdom and with gratitude in your hearts. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. So he not only refers to making Christ central not make, and making Scripture central, but I like that Paul lifts up that worship is central, right? That when we sing the songs of the faith and we sing the hymns and the songs of gratitude, they bring us back to that place of connecting once again to who Jesus would have us be. And so I'm sure Felicia's thrilled about that and Randy in second service, amen, and all the musical folks. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And I find that just a really helpful word. If you've been listening to this, these verses of Colossians, the common word is gratitude and thanksgiving. Now, we're about to gather on Thursday in whatever ways we will. Some of us will have more people at our house than last year. Amen. And we'll gather around tables and we'll celebrate with food. Some of us will be in smaller groups. Some of us may still be on a Zoom call with others. It's okay. 
And we'll take the time to go around, most of us, this is kind of the tradition I see in almost every family, what are you thankful for, right? But what would it mean if we made that practice a part of our life every day? What if we woke up every day, and whether it's at the breakfast table with our children, or whether it's in our journal, or our devotion time, or as we're driving to work, what if we didn't look at Twitter before we said, what am I thankful for? And I think, and I believe, like Paul, that if we're thankful people, singing the songs of gratitude, that will center us in ways that will make us faithful to the world we live in and the people we serve. Amen? Amen. It's interesting. This has been a really, it's a tough year, right? I keep saying that, but I just, I just want you to know, I think we all know that, right? I, I thought 2020 was going to be the worst one, but maybe 2021 is going to take it, right? You know what I'm saying? Things are difficult. A friend of mine is a teacher, and teachers in the room, raise your hands if you're here. Yeah, um, he's a sixth grade teacher in one of the suburbs, and uh, we're very close friends, and I uh, was visiting with him this week, and he said, it's the worst year ever. Just the, the lack of gratitude, the kind of anxiety that children feel, the kind of, they've been living in front of a screen, so now they don't know how to live with a real teacher, you know, and, and parents are exhausted from having taught for a whole year, and he said, it, it just feels like there's not a spirit of peace and gratitude, and maybe you know that. Uh, I have another friend who's a flight attendant, and he said, it's horrible, right? People have no patience, and, uh, and, and they get really upset. And he said, there's just been some really hard things that I've never seen before. And those of you who are in the medical profession, I hear that from nurses and doctors, that there's just a, a level of, of, of intensity and sometimes mean spiritedness without a, a level of patience for those who serve us. And, and maybe you're like that too. And maybe you've fallen into it. I'm going to confess to you I have, right? Like it seems like the lines at McDonald's are longer than I've ever seen in my life, Right? And I just started going to McDonald's expecting to be there for an hour, right? I take a book in the front seat, right? You know, but one day I just got all upset and then I just heard myself say, what is this all about? We're in a different world. This is the world we live in. Will malice or anger or abusive language be the clothes you wear, James? Or will you wear a spirit of peace? Will you wear the belt of love? Will you be a word of kindness in the midst of all the conflict? Amen? On Thursday, I had a really bad day, just being honest. It was one, not one of my best days. We've all had them, amen, right? It was a bad one. And I had scheduled my booster shot, my third shot, for Thursday. And I literally almost canceled because I thought, this is the last thing I need is to go to Walgreens and get a shot after this kind of day. Anybody relate, right? But I knew how hard it had been to get it. And uh, I got to Walgreens on Schoenbeck. And when I walked in, and you, you probably know how this works, I expected I would just go right in. I was responsible. I was there early. I would filled out my form online. I mean, all the things that I was supposed to do. And, you know, I rounded the aisle, you know, by the toothpaste. And uh, there are 12 people in front of me. You've been there. I know you have. <laughs> and I went, what is going on? And for a moment... I was ready to close myself, clothe myself in malice and abusive language, right? And I just finally said, you've got to calm down. This is what it is. So I did. And there were some unfriendly people in the line. 
and things went slower than they were supposed to. And finally, I got to the window, and I began the process. And this guy clearly had been yelled at several times. And I just decided, you are, of course, luckily I'd been studying this passage. Amen, right? <laughs> and so I just said, I'm going to focus. I said, thank you for doing this for me. What? What? I said, thank you for doing this for me. Well, thank you for thanking me. And then he took on a whole new attitude, right? And he said, we just don't get that very much. And so we just talked a little bit, and I got processed. And then I sat in the chair for far too long, amen. And then finally I heard my name like I was called to heaven in glory, right? James Preston, yes, it's me, take me. (laughs) The pharmacist comes out. He takes me behind the little screen. He said, I'm so sorry. I I know you're way behind. I said, it's okay. It's all fine. And I said, I just want to thank you. I'm sure... I'm sure this is a lot on top of what you already do, but I'm really, really grateful. I'm really thankful for science. I'm thankful for pharmacists and nurses. I'm thankful for researchers and people that have made this possible. And with tears in my eyes, I looked at him behind my mask and I just said, thank you for this shot. And thank you for this moment. I know it seemed crazy. I'm sure he thought, who is this weirdo, right? But the pharmacist got teary. And he patted me on the back and he said, we don't hear this. I never hear this. And I'm so grateful that you said thank you. We are the church. The world is falling apart. It is. It's a mess. Amen? People are abusive and mean-spirited and hateful and at each other's throats. And more than ever before, friends, I believe this with all my heart, that if the church is not the spirit of gratitude and peace and love, it'll all fall apart. You are the leaven. You are the salt. You are the light. You are the person who could make the difference in a broken situation. We the church. Paul knew that in Colossae, and Paul knows that for us now. We are the people of Jesus. Clothe yourselves in kindness and compassion and peace and most of all, love. And be thankful, not just on Thursday, not just in this moment, but have grateful, grateful hearts always. Always and always. And the people of God said,